Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to Better Living. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi, continuing our conversation about Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services, their website, PCHAS. Org. I just got done speaking to their director of development, Sarah Craig. We turn now to Travis Jones, who is their director of community and church engagement. How are you today? Doing great. All right. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank you very much for coming in. Uh, I didn't mention it. We had to reschedule the interview, and it's always a huge pain. So I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time today and coming in. Sarah mentioned that she works out of Dallas. You work out of Houston? I'm in the Houston area, but also serve the whole state. So, uh, so you're all over the place. Yeah. So did you come up for the interview from Houston? I did. Really? Yeah, but uh, the Dallas area was home for uh, the last 15 years or so. So Okay, so uh, did you recently move down to Houston? About three years ago. How do you yeah. like it? It, it's not as bad as Dallas would say. Uh, <laughs> I, we, a, we've, that's we've made, a really smart answer. Yeah, we, we've made friends and it's home. It's 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 good. Very it, very good. It's a good. It, uh, we can love each other. All right. It's all right. Well, I, I I think that you're the you've come the furthest for this interview. So uh, again, I really appreciate that. That's amazing. But you said that you serve the entire state, and that's one of the things that we're learning about this organization is it's big. You guys are doing a lot. So do you only focus on Texas? You guys do have branches, let's say, in two other states. That's right. So um, my responsibilities at this point are really around foster care and adoption in the state of Texas. And so we provide those services in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, also in Houston, in Austin, and in Wichita Falls. So how did you how did you come to this organization? When did you start? So I've been with PCHAS for close to two years uh, at this point, a little over two years, but working in foster care and adoption for almost 15 years at this point. Uh, and kind of in this area of of connecting with new families and walking with them through that process. How did how did you find this sector of all the places that you could have gone and all the things that you could have done? Why this area? Uh, I, I like to say it found me. You know, I, I sort of a personal life calling for building up strong families and uh, had no real idea. I think I think a lot of people uh, don't really understand how much foster care and adoption can impact them or be a part of their life. Um, found myself professionally uh, finding a lot of enjoyment and just growing a passion for finding families for kids uh, when they need one and uh, realizing how much it was all around me and what is it what is the payoff when you work in this area is it knowing that the kids have found a safe place to be is it knowing that they're in a loving family when you look at what you love about this job and working with these families what what strikes you is, is the great thing that's exactly it, is is that today um, there's been so much research in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, especially around what happens to kids when they experience trauma. And and the crazy part is this this science that's so uh, really above my knowledge level. <laughs> <laughs> it really boils down to uh, kids need to be, they need to feel love. They need to feel safe. They need to be able to have trusting relationships and they can heal and they can get better. And and I see that happening. I see the families that we work with be able to make those connections. We see kids that heal. We see kids that make progress and, and grow and develop and are healthy in ways that we never could have imagined. And um, that's a good reason to get up in the morning and keep doing it. You do hear a lot of 
honestly negative things about adoption the foster care system peaches has a lot of things in place to make sure that you don't have to deal with that and that kids and families are in the right places that they need to be and you guys are able to cut down on a lot of the negative things that you hear about when it comes to the adoption or foster care system what are some of the things that this organization does to make sure that everyone involved is safe and happy and doing well uh, yeah that's that's a great question so um you know when when we get calls that kids need homes. Um, we get calls all day, every day, unfortunately, about kids that have been removed from a family and they need to go into a foster home. Uh, you know, I think one of the things we do is that we really respect our families to help set guidelines for who's a good match for their family. We have to understand who's already a part of the family, the biological family that's there or any other members that, that live in that home, as well as any other children that might be in foster care or might have been adopted or, or whatever, um, that each new person that joins the family you know, we have to really evaluate how that everybody mixes together and, and the needs that are there and, and, and the strengths that are there and, and how we work together. And so we really we support the families that way. And then uh, we've just got a phenomenal team of case managers. So each family that's fostering children um, has a case manager that's working with them. And and we've got an excellent team. They're really well trained. We keep our caseloads very low um, so that our case managers can be very responsive to uh, to the children and to the families when they have a need. I mean, uh, a family with an emergency in the middle of the night has access to our team and mm -hmm. whoever has the expertise that they need uh, will be available to them. Uh, so, you know, that's not actually the funnest part of anybody's job, but uh, we don't want to see our families left alone um, just, just to flounder. We want them to succeed and to thrive. We want kids to be healthy. We want families to be successful in this. And this so we put the resources there. 24 hour a day job. It is. It is. You've been doing this a long time. When you are trying to find a good fit, what are some of the things that you look for? Can you kind of feel it in the room? Do you do you know when there is a good match or when there isn't, or does it really take a lot of time? Uh, it, it does take a lot of time, and unfortunately, a lot of times we're not afforded a lot of time. So uh, the, the place that we start is with a lot of education for families. So when people are thinking that they might want to you know, step into this role of fostering or adopting, they want to be family for children when the child needs a family, um, then we provide a lot of education to help them to understand what's involved, what kids are going through, skills that are going to help them to help the children and just to kind of manage the family. We also are just really assessing their health, their readiness for this mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the things that they bring to the table. Um, every child in every relationship is going to magnify something in the adults and show you things about yourself that <laughs> you wish were different. Um, and kids from hard places can do that. Uh, often a lot quicker, and they and they draw it out. Um, sometimes the people that want to come into this role, uh, you know, they've been through hard things themselves, and so uh, we need to see that families are healthy. Not perfect. We're not looking for anybody that's perfect, but we're just looking for people that are healthy, so that when kids come in, they're really able to focus on meeting those needs. Um, and and from there, uh, the families that are teachable, the families that are healthy, uh, flexibility is kind of the standout key to the matching. So again, we match kids that that the family would describe as a good match for their home, knowing mm -hmm. that in a lot of cases, I mean, you just, there's not really a tryout because it's a child who needs a family and, uh, and, and to turn them away or to say it didn't work out um, only adds further trauma into that situation. Something that I didn't think about when we started the interview, it, it got brought up in the first half hour. This moves a lot faster than, than you would expect is what I'm understanding now that yep. this is actually fast moving. There's a, it's, it's a, it's a quick process it takes a long time, I guess, in certain aspects, but really a lot of this stuff moves quick. Yes. 
Yeah, so and, and I can kind of describe a little bit of that process Please, for you. Absolutely, so, yeah, we need to learn uh, more about that. I'd love that. Yeah. So, so you know, anytime somebody in the community thinks that a child's being abused or neglected, um, there's a Texas abuse hotline. People can call that in. You can go online and, and make a report. They get eight hundred thousand calls a year, literally, or almost eight hundred thousand um, of people reporting things. And so, what they're going to be doing is listening to you know what are the facts, who is it, what's going on, um, but really listening to see as the state law defines abuse or neglect, are they hearing that kind of thing that's taking place? And if it sounds like it could be abuse or neglect, then they're going to investigate it. And so, um, you know, somebody will be dispatched on a priority timeline, you know, based on that. And they're going to go into the home and try to figure out what's going on here. You know, are kids being abused or neglected? What's happening? And what would it take for the kids to be safe in this home? So uh, even those 15 years that I describe, you know, as, in some ways I describe kind of my early years as the olden days, although I know it's not really that long ago. Uh, but, you know, it used to be a time that the system was really set up going, going in. Things aren't good. We've got to take the kids out of the home. And today it's really looking at, you know, what would it take for this family to be safe? What would mm. it take for the kid to be safe in this home? If the kid can't be safe here, is there a relative? Is there a close family member? Can we make a safety plan to get them there? You know, they're trying to exhaust all options because there is trauma inherent to the separation as well. So even the child's, even though the children are in an environment that may not be safe for them, um, leaving that family is also traumatic. And so we want to inflict as little as possible. So when it's not safe in their home, when there's not a relative, there's not somebody that's readily available, um, nothing can be done, then they're going to actually take that before the judge. The state the state investigator is going to take that to a judge who's going to be the one who orders the removal. But from that point, uh, certainly depending on the circumstances of the situation, the ball can start rolling very, very quickly. And so, um, you know, that's a, that's a tense situation. That's a hard, hard situation for children. They're going to be separated from their family and they need somewhere to go. So at that point, we start getting calls and that could happen any time of the day or night. And they're going to be contacting uh, PCHAS, they're going to contact, you know, any agencies like us, trying to keep kids as close to home as possible in environments that feel familiar. These kids are victims. So for them to be the ones, you know, they've already endured something. Now they're having to leave their home. Um, mo- they almost always have to change schools. They have to, you know, just uh, all What this- do you kids need in that transition period? In that where you're going from where you, maybe you weren't safe, but at least you were, it was familiar, yep. and then into something new in that critical time, what do kids need? It seems like this organization would put a lot of effort into that moment to make sure that you at least start off strong. Yes. Yeah. So uh, the first thing we need is we need families that can be flexible. We need adults that can rally around the kids. We can't be expecting kids to come in and be flexible to us. You know, so it's not a here's all of our rules. Here's our structure. You have to do exactly what we say. Um, obviously, there's going to be rules and boundaries, but but we don't start there. We're trying to meet the kids where they're at. We're trying to help them to feel safe. We want to find out, you know, what's your favorite food and what do you like to do and what do you need to feel safe? And um, and, and recognizing that the homes, you know, that, that we've, you know, vetted thoroughly and put through the ringer to be foster families, um, that home may look very different than the environment that a child's ever lived in before. So mm-hmm. we think about stuff like, um, you know, we're pretty excited. We can offer our child their own bedroom with, you know, lots of space and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, sometimes the kids that come come to us have lived in environments where there's lots of people and they're not used to being all by themselves in a dark room or and so we have to even be flexible about arrangements or um, other things that might make them to feel safe so the uh, uh, really our focus on the child when we look at them first you know uniquely although a lot of these situations are similar they're unique to that child um, when we can keep them first we get we get a lot of better results. We we can be more creative. So at least with the, the foster care system, the organization is constantly looking for families that are ready for this, that would be a good fit for somebody, so that when a kid does, or kids pop up, 
you can quickly put them where they need to go. That's right. Because without that, um, you know, they may be sitting in an office somewhere in the middle of the night hoping that somebody answers their phone. Uh, uh, I mean, truly, the person who leaves the home with the children in their car, they often don't know where they're going. And they're, they're hoping and praying that they get a, you know, uh, a text message with an address where they can GPS. Uh, but they, you know, they often, they're waiting on a plan. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen next for that child. And so, but the, the children need family. They need somewhere to be. We see, uh, and, you, and you probably read stories about this, kids that are sleeping in offices for days, weeks. Uh, uh, you know, not, not too long ago, somebody was telling me about a, a 17-year-old that had kind of taken rep residence in their office for over three weeks and because they did not have a home for that child. And, and I definitely believe we can do better than that. Is it harder for, young, for older kids in this situation? It is. is. Is that a truth? It is. It is. Uh, and, and, and to no fault of their own. I think that's, you know, as us, us as adults, we need to, we need to look at ourselves. Uh, these are kids of all ages, shapes, sizes, uh, needs, but also strengths, also great qualities. You know, I, I've had some families talk to me about, you know, with older kids, you know, they're not, maybe teenagers aren't the most logical people, but like you can reason <laughs> with them. You can't, I, I have a five-year-old. Yes. I can't reason with my, not not very much with my five-year-old. Exactly. And so, you know, those those are things that we need to think about the strengths that they bring to the table as well of sure, maybe they're hot-headed or sure, maybe they're opinionated, but they also tell you what they need. And uh, that's a great thing to be able to respond to as well. Personalities and, and abilities and interests and desires that, can be really fun to join with too, and to you know to figure out how do we how do we work together toward goals. These families get formed up in ways that are not really natural, um, and so it takes sort of a, a different lens of looking at it, kind of the expectations of what the relationship may be, but the outcomes can be just unbelievable and amazing. Travis Jones is the director of community and church engagement for the Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services, or PCHAS. Their website PCHAS. You can also give them a call at 800-888-1904. What are, I, I already asked this question for the previous guest, what are some of the programs and services that you really like? What are things that really work? What are things that speak to you that you kind of have a personal connection to? Uh, I mean, I got to say I like everything that we do, right? But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm partial to foster care and adoption because I've doing, been doing this a long time. Uh, but I love our focus on prevention. I just think that that's huge because this is, this should not be the first stop. This, you know, foster care and adoption needs to be when everything else has been exhausted. Even then the goal is about getting kids back home. And so I love that we have programs that help families, uh, to stay together, to try to build families up, to try to prevent abuse and neglect, to keep kids in homes. Uh, our child and family workers, sometimes they even work with families after they've adopted kids because mm-hmm. because our uh, trust-based relational intervention, the model the TBRI that Sarah mentioned earlier that we uh, implement across uh, our agency, those skills are embedded everywhere. And so our social workers um, aren't all necessarily adoption professionals, but the skills that they have uh, and that they're able to kind of teach and coach with families uh, make them really uh, you know, excellent at, at coaching a family through different needs that can that can come up. I think it's cool that you were actually able to see the idea of prevention being introduced in this area. You said that when you started, it really wasn't a priority, and now it really is. To see that evolution, it's got to be really cool. It's got to be neat to see, right? And it also, I would think that it would help you guys, that initially, if you hear about an organization like this or ones that are similar, and the only thing you guys do from their perspective is take the kids away and give them to somebody else. But when they know that you show up, the first thing that you're trying to do is mm-hmm. only to help them to make sure that everybody stays together. That's got to, it's really got to help 
this whole process. Sure. And, and I mean, I think for us, it gives us that just, you know, ethical platform of knowing like we're doing everything that we could and we should. Yeah. And it's neat to see that 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 has evolved. And and we shouldn't be separating kids from their heritage. Right. Like the, we, we should. That hasn't gone well for us in our country for <laughs> lots of different ways uh, over, over generations. Right. Like we need to be doing what we can to keep families together and uh, and to preserve as much as is possible whenever as possible. That's a prevailing thought that that's, uh, you know, at the national and state level uh, in programs. And we're going to see more and more of that um, pushing out. And and I love that Peach has is all about that, that we're, we're we've already embraced it and are part of that movement. You work with adoption and foster homes. These are not the same things. Do you have to treat them differently as a professional? Yeah. Yeah, uh, n- not really. So, so for us, the uh, a lot of times for foster care, um, the family that's fostering a child, the goal is for that kid to go back home. So they're supporting them, um, and, and they're just being a part of their family, going to school and enrolling in dance class, and you know whatever else that, that's you know good. Being a kid, uh, inter- being a kid, being a kid, being part of a family. Um, the goal is for the kid to go back home. So if a relative uh, is able to you know be identified that that's a safe person, the state calls that a kinship caregiver. As soon as that person's identified and it's going to be safe in the best interest, the kid goes back home to that kinship caregiver. As soon as um, the family, the birth family or whoever the child was removed from, as soon as that's a safe environment, the kid's going to go back home to them. You know, the the goal of this system is to get back kids back home through unification. Um, and so whenever and the numbers, they're shifting, but, you know, somewhere more than 50 percent of those kids that come into the foster care system are going to be reunified with a relative or you know, biological parent uh, of those kids that stay in the foster care system. Traditionally, the numbers look like about 50 percent of the kids or more are going to be adopted by their foster parents. They're already part of a family. So mm. that's what uh, if you hear the term foster to adopt, that's really what that's describing. So it's not so much about like that we foster kids so that your families foster kids so they get to adopt them. It's that they're approved for foster care and adoption. And so uh, because they're already bonded, it's just kind of the most natural fit. So Peach has the majority of the work that we do is going to be with foster families. And then adoptions would be for children that are adopted by their foster families. The relationship's already there. And and if they're not able to go home, we grieve that. I mean, that's a that's that's really a loss. Um, uh, and so that can be harder maybe for a family to absorb than, than they even expect. Um, but then they would be the, often the first considered for adoption because we don't want more more trauma. We don't want more separation and change. For the families that are fostering and they adopt, is it common that we've got our family now and we're going to step out of the foster care arena? Or is it common for them to adopt foster kids and continue bringing in foster kids? What do you yeah. see a lot of? You know, that that's a unique thing, you know, for every family. I, I could tell you through all these years probably – you know, a lot of families end up adopting more kids than they ever plan to. It's, it's, uh, they kind of catch a bug, but that's not because we force it on them or push it. Is there I mean, kind of a joke about that, like in the industry, that you just uh, kind of start? I mean, is it true that they would just kind of start accumulating kids? It, it, it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, is that a thing? It, it it can be, and of course, you know, we're not we're looking for people that are really able to invest in kids and not just collect, you know. And so that's a, uh, you know, that's that that. I didn't uh, have a good way to ask that question, but like you know what I mean. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, Like yeah. you said, they kind of get the bug and, and they want to help. They've yeah. been through it before and they're able to continue doing it. You guys yeah. are going to make sure that they're able to continue doing it. Right. And so, I, you know, I think kind of this common perception of foster care is like all those all the foster families drive big vans and, you know, you've got to have eight or nine or ten kids. In Texas, foster care is going to be six kids or less in a family home, at, you know, counting everybody under 18. So mm-hmm. so we're not doing, you know, mass quantities of people under one roof. 
Uh, I think what, what kind of that catching the bug thing is really more about uh, families that that catch a vision for how lives can be changed, and they realize that they do have the capacity to to invest and in, and to change more lives and to be you know become that family for more kids. Um, and that's something that you know they kind of see their potential. Yeah, and you and you probably don't know that until you get into it. And so that yeah. that's probably what that's more about. Uh, you know, I think sometimes people become much, there's eye-opening experiences, much more aware of the needs, uh, uh, much more aware of the impact of racism, much more aware of the impact of, um, you know, all the uh, medical things or trauma or, you know, whatever can happen for kids uh, because of their backgrounds. And so, you know, we can see people's um, compassion grow and just sort of their advocacy change and grow too. Who is usually learning more in this situation? Is it the kids or the adults? Whose um, eyes are being opened more? Oh, I think I think the adults' eyes are opened a lot more, but we see incredible changes in kids. We we see kids that uh I mean it's just it's unbelievable to see the progression that can take place when they are safe, when they're and they feel safe. They have to not just that we know they're safe, but they feel safe. What does that look like? Because I've talked to a couple of different organizations that they work with kids, and that always that comes up a lot where they talk about how you can tell that the kids have some at some point they have become comfortable and calm in their situation. Mm-hmm. How do you notice that? Yeah, so uh, there's kind of a continuum on that, or, or kind of a, a process that takes place. One of the one of the tenets of, of trust based relation or relational intervention (TBRI) would actually talk about felt safety. So. You know, uh, think about as a parent, we lock all the doors at night, we turn on the alarm and we know that we're safe, you're fine, go to bed. Um, But if a child doesn't feel safe because this is a new place for them or it's different or bad things have happened to them at nighttime or whatever else, you know, we can't just say you're safe. You know, we have to really walk with them through how we how we can make their environment feel safe for them. And so. Uh, you know, sometimes we see that evolution is as they kind of push back against it. They test some limits, but then mm-hmm. we can really see kind of settle in, and and you can just tell. You can tell when it's authentic, when it when somebody's really relaxed in a relationship. We believe that all kids are precious, but we want them to be able to see that in themselves too. So that's kind of another quality that you can tell when a child knows and believes that you see their worth, that you see their value, and that you love them. Um, you can just see it in their eyes because they reflect it right back to you and they let you they let you know what they're getting from you. Goes back to that thing that I was asking you about earlier about the payoff for you. It sounds like that's yeah. a perfect example, if not the example of what we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. And 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 that's what fuels our families, you know, the, the, to, to keep because I, I don't want to make this all sound really easy. These kids have been through some really hard stuff. And so, you know, it, it's uh, it's worth it. And we're, we've got tools to help families really succeed. Um, we don't want this to be something that's miserable for anybody, but it's not easy. It's not it, it's not something that happens overnight or happens without work. It's it takes a real investment. That's why an organiz like or an organization like this is important because we're having a great conversation and this is all upbeat. But let's be honest, this is a very tough thing that happens mm-hmm. for families and for kids. That's why this organization works so hard to make everything run smoothly, to do a lot of vetting, to make sure that even in a very stressful time in an adult or child's life. You can make it run as smoothly as possible and get people on the road to happiness, whatever that looks like, as quickly as possible. Exactly. That, that's, our, that's our aim. Yeah. What about brothers and sisters and families that are together? I, I would guess that you would see more of that than single kids. We, Am I right? We, we do. We do. So, I mean, the vast majority of the kids in the foster care system are 
uh, they're, they're part of sibling groups. And so um, uh, something like 70%, I don't have an exact number for you, but um, lots of kids. And so when children enter into the foster care system as siblings, we are looking to keep them together. That's a relationship that needs to um, be kept intact. We need to help that family stay together and stay connected. And so everything's done to keep those kids together. Uh, there's times that kids enter into the foster care system separately diff- from different places, different ways. That's, uh, that's mm-hmm. all pretty complicated. But even then, every effort's made to get those kids together or to maintain the connections in as meaningful way as is possible. And so that, I mean, that's that uh, can be hard for families to envision. So I've got one brother. We're just under two years apart. So when I think siblings, I think me and my brother. Uh, you know, I can. There's one image that I think of, of of a picture of a family. It was five children, ranging from like 18 months to 14 years old. And so, you know, for a family to grow by five people in one moment is a lot. And and we recognize that we're asking families to consider doing something that's a lot, uh, but also to receive kids at like every developmental stage all at the same time. That's a lot too. And when and you're vetting, f- when you're vetting foster families, that's got to come up. Do you have a stack of people that can do one kid, a stack of people that can do two, uh, a three or more category? Yeah. Like how does that, is that part of the vetting process? Absolutely. So we're looking through their interests and their abilities. We're assessing, you know, for what they're showing us, we're looking for experiences, you know, uh, what, what does that look like uh, for you and, and what have you done well with and what, you know, whatever. We want to see some kind of level of experience with what they're talking about. If you've never held a baby, probably need to go hold some babies. You need to, <laughs> you know, if you want a teenager, you need to go be around some teenagers. Just the fact that you were a teenager at one point, like that's just very different. The world's a different place today. So do uh, people, do people get a little over anxious sometimes when they want to be a foster parent? Is that something that you kind of have to coach adults through where they come in with Absolutely the right intentions, but maybe they're not actually understanding the gravity of the situation or like you're saying, maybe they're not prepared to deal with a teenager or something like that. Is that something you have to deal with? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think sometimes we, you know, we can be a little optimistic about what we're capable of. And so, you know, we try to help families and and realistically, especially when a family's first getting started, we're going to try to uh, make a match that's going to be as solid as possible and not kind of, you know, uh, test every limit, you know, from the beginning. At the same time, uh, really probably what we see more is families that um, doubt themselves and their ability to to make this kind of change in a child's life. So, you know, the way that we see this process is that it's about education. This is something you haven't done before. You know, people are are nervous. Maybe they've never called before to say, hey, I'm thinking about adoption. I want to know more about that. I mean, it feels feels kind of an exposing thing. You're growing your family. Uh, It doesn't bother me at all when people kind of freak out in the process or get really nervous because you're changing your life. That I mean, that's, I think that's just sort of, I don't know if it's clinical, but it's like a natural part of pregnancy. It's a natural part of bringing an aging parent in your life home. Whatever in else. Like life, life is changing as you know it, and uh, that should cause you some tension as you really think it through and examine what that might look like. So, you know, our goal is that we want to be there to guide families every step of the way. We want to be there to talk it through, to figure out what the right timeline is, how do we get the right level of exposure. You know, if we can connect uh, families that are interested with other families that are already fostering, they could become babysitters. They could become those respite providers that may keep kids for the weekend and get some level of exposure experience. Or maybe we can connect in other ways that we can help families to start feel more confident in their in themselves and feel ready and to understand the timing for their family. Timing is another factor. You know, just because you want to do it doesn't mean it's the right time for your family. And so but we want to be in relationship with families, talking with them. I love when we get to talk to families early, you know, when they think we're thinking about doing this maybe in a couple of years. Like, great, let's give 
good info now so that as you think about it, think about how it really is and not just... The more education you have, the earlier, the better. Sure. Because there's so many myths and so much bad information that's out there about how it really works. You know, yeah. we, we want people to be working off of truth. Is this a complicated world? Is this a complicated process? Or is it deceivingly simple? Uh, it's complicated, but we're going to make it simple. So we have staff that are dedicated to walk with the families every step of the way. Uh, you know, to become approved or become, I guess the t- technical term is verified as a foster parent. So um, the family has some training that they'll have to do. There's a lot of paperwork and uh, there's some, cl- and uh, then we do a home study assessment where we really get to know the family and ask a bunch of questions. But we're going to have staff that walk with them through every piece of that at a time frame that really works for the family. Uh, all of that can feel overwhelming because most people aren't very eager to fill out paperwork and go to classes and answer questions about themselves. When they call us, they're really thinking about having kids in their home. And so our team is also really ready to be responsive. Mm. We want to work through that process as quickly as the family is ready to work so that they can move on to the piece where they're really working with kids. Uh, we know people aren't very – most people aren't excited by paperwork. And Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> but that what you're saying I, I think really makes sense. You're, you're doing all the hard work so they can get to do the good work, That's let's right. say. That's right. And we have to know who they are. I mean we have to really know and trust – because kids are going to live in their house 24-7, and we need to know what's going on there and who, what that environment is. We need to be able to describe the environment, their interest, to be able to match them with k- kids. Uh, even, I mean, this is a very simple thing, but, you know, if if uh, the family loves being outside and they hate being inside, then we need to try to match them with kids that like being outside. You know, uh, it doesn't mean we can always hit that on the mark or that we'll know that information, but that's going to be a point that causes some conflict. So if we can... If we know the facts and we can make a good match, but but we have to get to know a family to understand lots of those qualities, and that means that's just the tip of the iceberg. But and it just takes time. It takes time. Before we wrap up, talk to me about what people can do to help this organization, how they can get involved with Peaches, whether they want to foster, whether they want to get involved with adoption, whether they want to help babysit, whether they need help themselves. What's the best way for people to do that? Absolutely. So the the first thing you can do is you can just give us a call. We're we're we've got a great team of people that are just ready to talk to 24 you. Twenty four seven. You can reach out. You can call our toll free number. Um, you if you go on our website, so pchas.org, pchas.org, there's a get help button that'll take you to a contact page. From there, you can send us an email, or it's also got that phone number on there. So, but uh, the one eight hundred eight 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 one nine zero four. You can call in, and and you don't have to overthink this process. You can say. You know, my name's Travis, and I'm thinking about foster care. I want somebody to tell me more about that. Or, um, you know, if if uh, if it's a woman in an unintended pregnancy, you know that that could be a really hard call too. Our team is really ready to receive those uh, with compassion and empathy, with respect. You know, no matter what a person's calling in, and so, you know, I, I'm pregnant. And I'm not sure what to do, or you know, I want to talk to a counselor, and and, we, and our one of our adoption social workers can respond. You know, that's that's to us, it's kind of the simple part. Just start the conversation. But, uh, you know, in terms of what people can do also is carefully consider this, like really give it thought, really think not just this is something for other people. But there are children in our community. There are kids that there are responsibility. There are neighbors. They go to our schools and they're going to need a family. Could I be a family? And if I can't be the family for those kids, what else can I do? Who can I serve? Could I you know, I know somebody who is a foster family. Could I become a babysitter for that family? What what other role can I take to help serve and support them? And Peach Eyes can help families to be really creative with that. 
Um, you know, the financial support, that's something that I think really sets uh, Peach as apart as well. The state uh, does pay for foster care through uh, through a contract, uh, while also acknowledging it's really not enough to, to run the program successfully. And so through the generosity of those who uh, donate to Peach Has and support what we do, uh, we're able to really provide all that's needed for this program to be robust. So there's there's lots of ways that people can dive in. Uh, you know, I don't think that anybody really has a good reason to turn away and say, that's not for me. It doesn't impact me at all. Uh, it's just a matter of what's your role. What are you going to do? And and then tell other people. Be obnoxious. Tell everybody, <laughs> go listen to this interview. Learn more about foster care. Tell somebody else because uh, you just don't know who else might really be considering this and need that nudge in the right direction. There are phenomenal kids. There are great kids. They didn't do anything to end up in this world of foster care and adoption. That's not their fault. Um, and, and, but they need families, and, and they need an opportunity so that they can thrive. They need to be a part of a family. They need to feel loved. And uh, we've got lots of people in our community that can step into that space. The organization is Presbyterian Children's Homes and Services. Their website, pchas.org, or give them a call, 800-888-1904. My guest has been Travis Jones. He is their Director of Community and Church Engagement. It was great speaking with you. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.